according to the World Health Organization, dental issues and poor oral health is a worldwide problem. Not here so much in the U.S. because you know we're not like a third world country or anything, but in these more impoverished and not as wealthy, wealthy countries, oral health is a real, really big issue, especially in, in children. And it's very unfortunate to see. And I was looking at it at a graph, and in the last 50 years, the United States has has actually improved uh, their their oral health, but unfortunately, the the world is not following suit. So it's still a very big issue Ooh, worldwide. I I've been working, told him, please don't hit my phone. I'm in my zone, bruh, just leave me alone. Was on the road, but I swear I'm coming home. Now the drinks on me, I think we need a toast. See, I did it for me. Now my old friends calling, told them nothing's for free. Told me time is money, dog, swear I paid all my fees. I was starving for this game, now my fan, they can't eat. Hey, Matt. What's up, peep? I'll be honest with you. Becoming a nurse was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Not only do I get to work in medicine, but also grow as a human being. I also remember those nursing school days, feeling the lack of confidence of what I should do next, how to start my career, and that transitionary period requires a good nurse residency program. Luckily, HCA Healthcare has a nurse residency program. Build your confidence and grow your critical thinking skills with hands-on experience. They also have a great community of supportive nurses that will help you excel. HCA Healthcare has 184 hospitals across 19 states. Becoming a nurse resident with HCA comes with other great benefits, such as tuition reimbursement, student loan assistance, and they'll provide you with clear pathways to achieve your professional goals. If I could give any advice to my younger self, it would be to join the HCA Healthcare Nurse Residency Program. They accept applications for nursing students who are preparing to graduate within the next six months or graduate nursing students who have six months or less of experience when they apply. You can learn more today at careers.hcahealthcare.com slash residency. Again, that's careers.hcahealthcare.com slash residency. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another Cup of News episode with your hosts, Peter and Matt here. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and taking their time. We appreciate that so much. If you listen to the previous episodes and going to listen to this one and you think you find some value in this episode... It takes us hours sometimes to put into the work, to create the show notes, to cultivate this awesome episode. So take five, 10 seconds and go ahead and like the episode on Spotify or Apple or YouTube. Smash the five stars. We appreciate it. And kudos to you. Some extra brownie points if you leave a comment for us. That's what motivates us. This is what pumps up the algorithm. And this is why we get motivated to keep on producing this high quality content. We're like over 150 episodes and if you want any uh things as far as announcements or anything related to cup of nurses check out the cup website and also we are frontlinewarriors.com for anything related to the conscious movement that we are working on and there's also blog posts that are being posted on both websites weekly so tune in for that there's a lot a lot of value um, also, both of the shops, Cup of Nurses and Frontline Warriors shops are out. Peter's wearing the Frontline shirt. I'm wearing the Con shirt from like a throwback from 2020. So it's still available there. And if you like to watch our videos instead, we're on YouTube. We do nursing debriefments. We talk about our shifts and what is the day-to-day, the real nursing shifts and what's happening. So we kind of share a lot of um, great information on there. And then also Pronto. We're working on an app that's going to innovate and revolutionize the healthcare industry. It's going to be for 
our healthcare professionals and it's coming very, very soon, Q1 of 2022. How you doing, Pete? I'm doing great. So today, everybody, we're going to put on our dentistry coats, our dentistry costumes, because we're going to talk about dental health. Dental health has a big impact on our overall health. A lot of times looking at your teeth and your oral health, it can actually show you how well you are in our overall health status. Yeah, What's it, crazy is is like, I know in the US, uh, the stats are a little bit different compared to worldwide, but according to the World Health Organization, dental issues and poor oral health is a worldwide problem. Not here so much in the US because you know, we're not like a third world country or anything, but in these more impoverished and not as wealthy, wealthy countries, oral health is a really, really big issue, especially in, in children. And it's very unfortunate to see. And I was looking at it at a graph and in the last 50 years, the United States has has actually improved uh, their their oral health. But unfortunately, the, the world is not following suit. So it's still a very big issue worldwide, not so much here in the United States, but definitely it's definitely a worldwide issue. But it's still very important for us to talk about because Poor oral health, poor oral hygiene, and poor teeth, uh, you could say tooth care, uh, leads to a lot of diseases that are preventable. Yeah. And if you look at chronic diseases, it's not a coincidence. It's not bad genes. Sometimes it's literally chronic inflammation, the silent inflammation that we've always been talking about in all these episodes that are leading to so many big things. And inflammation, if you think about it, starts in the mouth. The mouth receives everything from the external environment. If you think about it, it's almost like another organ. It has blood vessels. It actually is alive and functioning. It's getting blood flow into the teeth to um, do things. It's releasing saliva to start the beginning of digestion. So we could call it an organ. And if you look at inflammation, it's, you know, what's, what's interesting about dentistry is that dentistry and the medical field are two separate spheres. But in a way, like there should be combining and holistically looking at things and seeing like, hey, if there's issues with the dental cavities, maybe the doctor should, or the dentist in this case, should tell the doctor something about this and see if there's other links and maybe check some chronic uh, inflammation markers to see what the linking is. Because, you know, inflammation happens from the tip of the roots, the gingival uh, pockets, around implants, around dead teeth, around cavities, and it's all starting there, which is a hallmark sign that, hey, we are developing inflammation. It, dental health is so important that they have literally their own field for it. But there is a lot of, you could say, disconnect between, especially in a hospital. I think I've only had maybe, I want to say, two or three patients in my whole nursing career where we had um, somebody come in to do a, a tooth extraction. Uh, there was one guy that had endocarditis that we're going to talk about later that needed to get a few of his teeth removed. And then I know for uh, when we before we place an LVAD, we make sure you have good oral health as, as well. So sometimes we have um, like um, a, somebody that comes in a dentist to take off those teeth as well before we put them into surgery and put an LVAD in, in them because having an, an artificial device in you increases your risk for infection, for blood clotting. So you want to prime you up to, to get this surgery. And that's one thing I just reflect on right now because I completely forgot. We always did, did oral checks. Not us as nurses, we did like the oral care, but we always had had uh, the patient be evaluated by a dentist or somebody that, or an oral surgeon or somebody that does does um, oral care and health for, for living. So I, that's how important it, it is. And unfortunately, it's one of those chronic diseases like diabetes and cardiovascular disease where it's not just like one day you wake up and you have a meth mouth going on, right? You don't just go to sleep one day and then next morning you, you have four or five teeth missing. It's not like that kind of a good thing. It's a chronic thing that happens over time. And, you know, 
and not incidentally, unfortunately, it is the patient's fault that they don't do this. Not something that, you know, you get a, a pill for, you get a pill for the pain, but no one's going to come in your home and brush your teeth for you and take care of your diet and cook for you. It's something that you, you have to take initiative, just like with anything else in life. A lot of these are preventable. It's just how well are you, are you preventing it? And a crazy stat is that more than one uh, in fourth of adults in the U.S. alone have untreated tooth decay. That tooth decay is is not severe enough for you know people to notice and to cause pain, but it is, is occurring there. Like we said in the beginning of the show, poor oral health and um, and, and all that stuff is is more of like a outside of U.S. phenomenon, but it just shows you that you know we still have some some fixing to to do. I know greatly that the oral care has definitely improved in the U.S., especially for, for kids. I remember back in the day, like 2005, 2006, I want to say, um, time frame, I always used to see a bunch of commercials on, on, on TV about brushing your teeth, about oral health. So I feel like the CDC and the World Health Organization at least did a, a pretty good job of kind of lowering the, the effects of poor dental hygiene on kids. Yeah. And if you know, we look at like the mouth being this organ and it's being part of the digestive system, we can really relate to like the microbiota of the gut where, hey, there's healthy gut bacteria, but once things happen, such as inflammation, the good bacteria are opportunistic and can lead to uh, problems in other parts of the body. And, and same thing here, there's natural healthy bacteria in the mouth that's formulating, but if you're not taking care of your mouth, this mm -hmm. bacteria is gonna find a home somewhere else and that could lead to problems, you know, just like gingivitis, you have and periodontitis, you have uh, a receding gum, our teeth have so much vasculature and blood vessels all connected. So if you have receding gums, which are protecting that part of the tooth where all the blood vessels are, now the bacteria could tap into the bloodstream, they're going to go find a home somewhere else, and they're going to cause chronic issues. You know, what if like, there's a correlation between bacteria constantly being in the bloodstream entering the mouth now you have the immune system constantly trying to clear that up and that's leading to atherosclerosis and plaque mm -hmm. we unfortunately you know are still behind on the human body and its capabilities and we're still kind of finding stuff out as as we're going but what if that's a connection that we're missing in our society so yeah, yeah it's crazy to think about you never know and as you know as you all know that once Healthcare keeps well. Healthcare is always going to innovate. So the more we innovate, the more we revolutionize healthcare and and treatments and prevention. You know, we slowly start to learn about this and how we're all, all connected. Another crazy stat that the CDC provided for us is that forty six percent of adults age thirty and above have have gum disease. So if you're brushing your teeth as as an adult and you have bleeding gums, you're not supposed to have that. If you brush your teeth and you're spitting out some kind of a, like a, an amount of blood, that's not healthy. That that's showing that you have gum disease or some kind of underlying like, issue. And a lot of times, what you could do is just increase the frequency of your brushing your teeth. Like it's say you brush your teeth only once a week and it causes bleeding. Well, if you increase that to once a day, maybe even twice a day, it's going to fix itself because a lot of this, these issues have to do with an overgrowth of, of bacteria, not necessarily you brushing your teeth too hard that's causing you to bleed. It's, it's not the reason because our toothbrushes are, are, are made, um, the bristles, they're, they're made from whatever the rubber or whatever the material that is, it doesn't, it's not going to cut your, your, your gums. It just shows that you have poor dental hygiene that whatever you you, you brush, it's bleeding and it's coming from your gums and it's very unfortunate. So if you're deaf, if you're bleeding after you brush your teeth and you may brush your teeth like once a week, something that you have to kind of take into consideration and realize that it's still fixable 
I could still fix this issue. It's not going to cause me endocarditis in the long run or whatever other issues dental, poor dental, dental hygiene causes. You can still reverse that, but you got to kind of start now. Yeah, when I was reading uh, things for this episode, they said that a lot of times we get gun, uh, gum damage from brushing way too hard horizontally. Mm. So that's actually kind of like ruining the gum line and it's kind of causing it to be receding. And that's but that's why it's beneficial to get the electronic toothbrushes and have it uh, brush in circular motion, which prevents that receding of the gum. Of course, but um, you got to brush, you know, theoretically, like I brush my teeth pretty hard. And it's like, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of effort to just uh, cause your, your your gums to bleed from brushing, you know. And of course, your, tooth, your toothbrush gets, gets worn out. So, of course, when you get a brand new toothbrush, you know, you might want to take it easy. You, don't, you may don't want to jam it in there as hard as your toothbrush that you've been having for, for like six months, you know, because if they're fresh bristles, they're a little bit... Uh, more stiff and you just gotta be careful for that but yeah i used to be careful i used to have electronic toothbrush i lost it in the rv trip actually i forgot Mm -hmm. it and it had like a little sensor when you're pressing too hard it would flash red Mm -hmm. so i had and knew the amount of pressure that you should be using to um to brush your teeth so now i'm a little bit more cautious but this electronic toothbrush i have doesn't have that um that fancy function Mm -hmm. mine doesn't have that either but it has a, a a time sensor so like it, it goes, and then when it vibrates twice, it means that, that I've brushed already for a minute. So there's some fancy stuff out there you can get, but all you really need is a toothbrush, a regular toothbrush, and you could, you know, prevent these, these dental issues. Common sense, guys. Come on. So if we look at the main factors that are causing poor oral health, Peter mentioned poor hygiene, so that's toothbrushing, and then there's also diets high in sugar. So sugar actually changes the acidity of your mouth, and the saliva is trying to cultivate a normal pH. We're going to talk about pH a little bit later, but there's two bacteria that are benefiting from having sugar that's literally feeding off the sugar, and that's streptococcus mutans and streptococcus sorbinus. And and these are the bacteria that are like feeding off the sugar. They're creating uh, like plaque, and plaque is literally like the biofilm of the bacteria. You know, like biofilm is like a protective thing for bacteria. Somehow it's like coating the teeth constantly. It's almost like uh, atherosclerosis. It keeps like uh, piling up. That's what the biofilm is doing. It's making it like a hard substance substance to brush off. And that's why you need to go get your like uh, six month oral care to properly get rid of that plaque mm-hmm. around your teeth. Um, and the sugar also attracts bacteria that are eating away this gum that are causing gingivitis and uh, gum disease. Mm-hmm. And I actually have like a family history of gum disease. My dad had like uh, periodontitis. So he actually had most of his like teeth removed and he needed to get like uh, like bone restructuring and uh, gum restructuring. So mm-hmm. um, I actually myself have like a little bit of like a receding gum line. Mm-hmm. Um, but the dentist just like kind of watches and he kind of tells me like, hey, if it's receding too much, then I have to go see like the... Um, the oral surgeon to have his evaluation of what he thinks. Because mm-hmm. they can't um, like you can't like add a gum line, right? Like, what would they do for that? I'm curious. Do you know? Um, they would do reconstructive surgery yeah, to mm-hmm. restore the gum line. I, I don't know what part of the you know what part of the mouth they take and all that's a little bit too advanced. But yeah, maybe they just like pull it down or something. Maybe because maybe they have like you know maybe you have some more gums inside your mouth that they could you know pull over like almost yeah. like a flap kind of thing. Yeah, that's, that's why we that's why we need. Um, Somebody on the show, like a mm-hmm. dentist, to come and talk about all this cool stuff for dental health. Yeah. We had we had that one dentist that wanted to come on, or he was something with with oral, but that ended up getting canceled like last year. We should probably reach back out to him, have him back on the show. That'd be cool. 
So we also have alcohol use. That's another main factor that contributes to poor dental health that could lead to all these problems. And drinking, usually uh, your body converts it to sugar. So as you know, what I just mentioned, sugar is bad for you because it feeds off the bacteria. So uh, mixing liquor, beer and all that, mixed drinks actually leads to the breakdown of the enamel. And in the long term could cause tooth decay, uh, gum damage, and also alcohol naturally decreases the amount of saliva that you have. And saliva is actual natural buffer for your teeth. It actually protects the uh, enamel. And it's a buffer to prevent, um, it has like a natural antibacterial agent in it. Um, and if you look at the natural pH of saliva, it's 6.2 to 7.6. So it's it's more of an alkalotic form almost on the border. So if you're consuming things like orange juice, coffee, alcohol, all that stuff, it actually creates acidity in our bodies. And this is a two-way problem because another thing that leads to bad oral health is chronic stress. So if you always are in fight or flight and you have the sympathetic nervous system constantly activated, what happens is your body naturally prevents the digestive functions of your body from functioning, right? Fight or flight, not rest and digest. So what ends up happening is you actually decrease the amount of saliva that your body is naturally producing. So a dry mouth, you have a higher risk of developing tooth decay because you don't have the antibacterial agent being formed. Mm -hmm. So dehydration, chronic stress, and then consuming alcohol and things like this and sugary foods are all, and if you think about those four things, look how often we all do them, mm -hmm. which leads to bad oral health. Yeah, and like you say, everything in moderation, but then if you're getting sugar from alcohol drinks, you're getting sugar from your diet, and you're getting sugar from your drinks, even if you keep keep those at a minimum, you're already getting three different sources of it, and it's going to just, just compile like compound interest, but in, in a negative way. And it's crazy because if you think about it, your mouth is is a first place that you, you can say your immune system and your defensive mechanisms start. That's why you have this, this low pH of 6.2 to 7.6 is more on a lower. And ideal pH of your blood is 7.35, 7.45. So your mouth is naturally more acidotic to already fight off some of that bacteria. And then it goes down to your stomach where your stomach acid is actually even, even more acidotic. So another thing that contributes to, to poor oral hygiene and just poor dental health is smoking cigarettes. Uh, very similar to the way alcohol does, except it's, you could definitely say it's a little bit worse. It decreases that saliva in your mouth as well. But again, smoking cigarettes, just by smoking your cigarettes themselves, you're already lowering your immune system function because of all the cascades that smoking cigarettes does. So you're already putting your, yourself at a risk for all kinds of issues, not just dental issues. And also you're breathing in that hard, not hard, but hot smoke of cigarettes and you're burning that good bacteria. You're not producing saliva. You're damaging your teeth with, with the heat. You're damaging your gums with, with the heat. And then you have, then it's got to heal. So your immune system is already lowered. So now it's it's lower to begin with. And now your immune system has to figure out how to kind of regrow this, this gum, how to, how to restore this this damage. And smoking cigarettes is probably the most detrimental thing that you could that you could do to oral health. You get that tar buildup. People, you know, lose their voice. You get oral cancers. And it's increases risk for infection because if you're damaging the gums and let's just say, you know, maybe you, you like, I want to say bit your tongue, but you had some chips and you got like a little cut in your, in, in your gums. Well, guess what? Now you have cigarette smoke going into there. You're increasing yourself for, for a blood stream infection. You can go septic, septic just from something like that. Yeah. It's so, insane. And tobacco, uh, chewing tobacco is just as bad as mm -hmm. well. I remember a few if friends from worse. high school that had it. 
And whenever they like pocketed like um, the tobacco in their mouth, like literally their gums became smaller mm-hmm. and, and all that. Yeah, I'm, I'm people... also wondering how like um, smoking those vapes, what it causes. Mm-hmm. Usually some of those people that have like those um, vape pens are putting like the juice and like, you know, what, what, is, what ingredients does that juice have? It's usually taste, the taste in your mouth is sweet. So mm-hmm. like what if that's causing more attributes to... Uh, the problem right and even the heat itself of course it's probably uh, a little bit safer than cigarettes but still you never know what it, what it could cause because vaping is still fairly new so the research is still going to kind of uh unfold as we go on but the chewing tobacco is crazy because when you you like i've tried it before i'm not sure if you've tried chewing the tobacco before but almost you literally, almost vomited the first time yeah, i tried you can't it can't swallow you gotta be careful dude uh when you put it under your under your like uh in between like your your gums and your, and your lip like it's the way it works it's literally making like little cuts in your in your in your gums because by creating little little cuts in your gums it's it's the nicotine and whatever else is in the chewing tobacco is being absorbed better because a lot of times we get medication like sublingually under under the tongue it's the same concept with chewing tobacco except like when you put tobacco in there and the stuff that it contains it literally you could say it causes micro 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 cutting and that's why you get this super big high or whatever you you feel after you do chewing tobacco yeah it's crazy. i remember when i was 15 and i tried dip for the first time mm-hmm. Wally gave me some and i got so lightheaded i thought i was like walking on clouds or something that's yeah. why i got that's why i got so nauseous almost vomited man i just didn't know what was going on it's a ripper we used to do it in high school for fun because because you know it, it was cool like hey man like because it was back when we were growing up it was cool to smoke cigarettes you know especially at a young age so i remember in high school you know, you can't smoke cigarettes in class, but the next cool thing was having an um, empty water bottle and putting chewing tobacco under your lip and then, you know, spitting some some of that in that water bottle. And, and if people see you carrying like a water bottle with like the black li- liquid in it, then it's like, oh, shit, he's chewing, he's probably cool. So that, that was like a like a big phase for everybody in, in my, my high school where people used to do chewing tobacco. And then kind of the, um, the educators and teachers caught on and they were able to tell like, hey, you're chewing tobacco because... You got this black substance in your water bottle. Like, how does that? How does it get in there? And then, and, then, and you talk differently because you have stuff under your lips. So when you answer a question, it's like you're a little muffled. So it was it was easier to tell. So that was like a whole shakedown of that. That ended it fairly quickly. Damn kids. So so prevention, guys. Obviously, brushing your teeth is gonna be a major one. Don't smoke. Don't drink a lot of alcohol. Get plenty of exercise. Reduce the consumption of sugars and also drink more water because water also cleanses your your mouth. When you sw- swallow it, you're taking that. It's going to sound kind of nasty, but when you're drinking just regular water, you're taking some of that, you could say, bad growth or that or that plaque and you're swallowing it and it's getting broken down in your stomach acid. So that's why it's important to drink water because not only is it hydrating you and making you you um, like better with circulation in your body and, and, and in your oral cavities, but it's also like it's a cleaning effect. So that's why it's also very important to drink water and you're not consuming any sugars that cause damage to your to your gums and your teeth. So now we're going to talk about the different conditions that are linked to bad oral health. And we could start with endocarditis. So endocarditis, as you know, it's the infection of the lining of the heart chambers and usually those valves. And they usually do an echo to evaluate what's going on. So it's a systematic uh, blood infection and it starts in the mouth. uh, Usually sometimes when dentists have like um, procedures where they're doing tooth extractions and stuff like that, they have to be careful with, um, you know, septic techniques. And then I also mentioned gingivitis, how... We're all, this organ in the mouth is so interconnected because we have so many blood vessels and that's why it could lead to um, systematic infections. Yeah, we looked at a study that looked at people that have poor dental hygiene, poor oral health, uh, they have gingivitis and periodontitis. 
So it took 94 participants and took a look at their oral health. These participants had poor hygiene, like I said, gingivitis, periodontal disease. They evaluated all their status and they concluded that if you have any of those, then you have a 3.78 to a 4.43 increase, fold increase in the risk of developing bacteremia and then causing endocarditis. So if you have poor hygiene, you have you have gingivitis, you have all these dental issues, this, this inflammation, then it's literally linked to endocarditis. This, this, is a, this is the most major one. A lot of the other ones that we're gonna go over a, a little bit later, they're not as significant, but this is very significant. And when people get treated for endocarditis, um, the, the infection disease, disease team, they're able to see what kind of bacteria is causing this. And it's crazy that, that the bacteria in your, in your oral cavities can actually be, be found causing this endocarditis because to give you antibiotics and stuff, um, we gotta figure out what we're treating with. We, we can't give you just a broad spectrum antibiotics all the time because it's not going to kill it off. We can't just give you Vanco and expect, expect the best or whatever or whatever else they, they do with, with the broad. Right. Yeah, we can't, can't give you whatever. We got to figure out what this, we got a culture. We got to figure out what this is. And it's just showing showing, showing us that, hey, there's oral bac bacteria that's normally in your oral cavities is now in your bloodstream. And now it's causing you to have this endocarditis inflammation of the heart layer. And it's, it's crazy. It's this stems from your teeth. And this is the, the biggest one and the most major one because people die from this. You could literally have endocarditis and you could throw out a clot and you could have a heart attack. You could throw out a clot because of endocarditis and you could have a stroke. You could have all these other issues that all stem from poor oral health that you could have done if you just brush your teeth twice a day. It's very, yeah. very unfortunate, man. The next one is cardiovascular disease. So this is more of a th theory that's not fully understood. And research is kind of saying that, hey, maybe clogged arteries, heart disease, strokes, and all that is kind of linked to inflammation and infections that are starting in the oral cavity. Uh, of course, it's hard to, you know, figure and pinpoint that on research because there's also all these comorbidities, all these other cofactors that are coming into play of unsanitary lifestyles that we could pinpoint towards a stroke. So it's hard to just say, hey, oral health is doing that. But just like we're talking about that, you know, there's bacteria that are infecting the, the lining of the teeth. It's causing gingivitis, receding gums, and this bacteria could travel elsewhere that could create a problem. So it's not the bacteria that's causing the issue. It's also our infl inflammatory um, immune system or the, inf the inflammation and slashed immune system that's causing issues, just like we talk about the cytokine storm. Mm. It's not the virus that's killing you sometimes. It's literally our own immune system that's triggering this stuff. So if you have bacteria that keeps entering through the oral cavity, it's causing inflammation. That is offsetting the cascade of, you know, the, the microbial warfare that's happening in our bloodstream that's leading to um, the cascade of vascular damage throughout the body. That that could include the heart and the brain that could maybe lead to a stroke, but it's creating that plaque and atherosclerosis. And just like I mentioned, it's a theory, so there isn't a direct connection between that, but it's something we could speculate. And I wouldn't be surprised if five years from here, a couple of nurses, or five, five years from here, the research comes out about this and a couple of nurses was right because, I mean, we're always on, on top of the health trends. Yeah, yeah. and this is from, from Harvard itself. Like Matt said, they concluded that there's no direct correlation, but the fact is that if you have poor dental hygiene, then you probably have other stuff that you're, you're, you're poor at. It means you're probably not getting enough exercise and you're, you might be a smoker, you might be an alcohol, con uh, your alcohol consumption might be high. It's, it's the fact that then the poor dental hygiene is connected to also being, being in poor health. 
that's the correlation that, that, that the Harvard made is what they're saying is that because you have poor oral health and poor oral hygiene, you're also not doing other things right. And combining all these things is what's leading for you to have these cardiovascular not not directly just poor oral health, but the fact that you're also messing up on, on other things in your life like diet, exercise, and all that other stuff that you be focused on. So that kind of shows you, it almost shows you a little bit of, about who you are as, as a person because there's no direct correlation between oral health and cardiovascular disease, but it, there's a correlation between poor overall health and cardiovascular disease. Yeah, when, when you're about a data person, tell them to open up their mouth, mm -hmm. ah, Tom, take a, you know, stick their tongue out, see how it looks, see how the cavity looks, and mm -hmm. you'll be able to decide how the how the lifestyles of that person and habits. Maybe you're gonna find out if you want to date them or not. Right. I'm gonna definitely carry up my next day I'm gonna carry up and bring a pen light and one of those tools with a little mirror. The tongue depressor. See. Yeah. Tongue, yeah, and a little little mirror thing that I always, you know, the dentist shoves down down your mouth. But probably the craziest thing that we were able to find when we did some digging is poor oral health and its correlation to pregnancy and birth complications. So a study looked at, looked at pregnant women. Um, it was a systematic review. One of them was a systematic review, and it had 22 studies in it. So it had 17,000 subjects, and they basically concluded that, that peritonitis is associated with adverse pregnancy outcomes. So low birth weight and preterm birth has been associated to, to poor, poor oral health of the mother, which is super scary because if you're – not taking care, if you're not taking care of your teeth and you have peri, peri, periodontal disease or peritonitis, not peritonitis, but um, periodontitis. Um, periodontitis, then your child might come out with low birth weight. And that's scary because it's not only affects you, but it affects your, your child. And it's, why would you want to put that kind of life forward to, to a kid that you're, you're about to have? You're already having them start at a lower base. Than, than everybody else. And it's just because you have these, these oral diseases and these oral issues because you didn't, you didn't really um, take care of yourself. But the issue also is that there's a lot of hormonal changes um, when a woman is, is, um, is going through pregnancy. So scientists and researchers are also showing that because these, these hormones are, are changing and they're whole messing up the whole body, that they have a higher likelihood of these, these oral issues. So you have to kind of be even you have to be paying attention even more about your oral health if you're pregnant, just because your hormones are, are out of whack, the bacteria in your mouth get, get affected, the bacteria throughout your body get affected because of your hormones. So you have to take care of yourself even more because you're not living alone, you could say anymore, you're living with two. Your body is, is housing another, another human in you. So you have to kind of double down on your health in general and you have to double down on your oral health because it could lead to preterm labor and it could lead to low birth weights. Scary stuff, yes, dude. Yeah, so imagine, um, so this is why it's such a big, big phenomenon in third world countries and it's such a big issue because people have poor health to, to begin with and then, you know, you you, you throw in the, the whole birthing process and pregnancy in these third world countries, in these, in these poorer countries, and then you realize why they have such poor uh, birth outcomes outside of the U.S. because yeah. it might be just because they're, they're, they're poor oral health and poor, poor dental health. And it's very unfortunate to, to see that happening. We could definitely attest to that because our parents always used to laugh. Like my dad used to be like, dude, when do you think I had time to brush my teeth and I was out on the field all day? Or it's like, dude, I showered like once every like three, four, five days when they used to laugh at me when I took two showers after I worked out or before bed and stuff like that. So it's like an excuse our, though, you know, it's just an excuse if you think about it. Because how long, how, how long, my parents told me the same thing and I'm like, 
okay, you didn't have like a minute of, of your day to brush your teeth. Like, don't give me that, that the bullshit. Because they used to make fun of me too for showers. Like, I used to shower in the morning and I used to work out and then come back, shower again. And they used to like laugh. Like, you know, in Poland, we used to wash ourselves once a week and, you know, we're a lot dirtier than, than you and stuff like that. But that's with the whole teeth brushing thing, I was like, all right, I'm calling bullshit on that one for sure, dude. Just think about yeah. it. It's only, it's only a minute, you know? It doesn't take that long. It's just, yeah. It's what is very, very unfortunate. I can see the whole shower thing where mm -hmm. it was hard to, you know, put coal and wood into the fireplace to heat up the boiler to shower. You couldn't wash the whole family or they just like rinsed off in the river and stuff like that, mm -hmm. which was interesting. Uh, but the next one is pneumonia. And you hear this all the time with oral care, especially in the ICU. When the patient is intubated, we can't stress that enough that, hey, it's part of the whole bundle of VAP to prevent like a hospital acquired pneumonia, basically. Um, and that's why we're using the chlorhexidine, trying to brush their mouth at least uh, Q4. Uh, some I used to do like oral care all the time, like Q2. That was like a big thing. And here on this contract, they just say Q4. Mm. So it's differing per hospital. But as you know, this mouth has all this bacteria. It's opportunistic. It could travel down to um, the lungs and cause uh, different infections. And that's why it's so crazy. Like the longer you're on the ventilator, the higher chances of you getting something. It's like you got intubated for one thing, like COPD. One week goes, you know, goes by. Now you're spiking fevers. What's going on? We checked the freaking sputum culture. You're growing Klebsiella. Where did you get that from? Well, you know, just look at the mouth. Usually their mouth is so dry when they're intubated mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And it kind of makes sense. We talked about saliva and its antibacterial, you know, mechanisms and mm -hmm. everything. Uh, so that's fascinating. And we looked at a study that had over 122,000 participants with no history of pneumonia. The median age was 52.4. They checked things such as systolic blood pressure and fasting uh, blood sugars, which were uh, average of 125 milligrams of mercury. Average blood sugars were 96.7 fasting. So already sounds a little bit like um, a pre-diabetic state there. They're almost close to 100. Yeah, 52 years old, you know, you got to give them some leeway. So 49.6% of this part, uh, participants had periodontal disease. 2.7 uh, to 6% of them had five or more dental cavities or missing teeth. And uh, this was, this was self-reported questionnaires, by the way. And 45% of the participants said they brush their teeth at least uh, two or three times a day. 26 of them replied that they had a dental cleaning at least once per year, mm -hmm. which technically I think is recommended to get it twice per year. So they're already lacking there. Mm -hmm. Now, what they concluded is the risk of pneumonia was higher in groups with higher number of dental um, cavities, missing teeth. And in contrast, it had a higher risk of pneumonia. And it, I'm sorry, they had a lower risk of developing pneumonia when they actually brushed their teeth two or three times a day. Um, so that that's fascinating, and that's why we stress about the the importance of oral care. Uh, there was no uh, correlation between pneumonia and periodontal disease. Seems like that's more of like a vascular mm -hmm. issue, which makes sense because of the receding gums. Um, and yeah, I think this um, I think it's important to just brush your teeth regularly and. And, uh, and all that, and that's what the study kind of concluded when it comes to pneumonia. Yeah, you should definitely look at our show notes because when I first found the study, like, it was a really cool study because when you're trying to do a research study, you want to kind of account for as much variables as possible. And it's really cool because they accounted for their blood glucose, they accounted for their blood pressure, they accounted their history of pneumonia, their age, and a lot of these other factors. And they did a questionnaire, which obviously isn't perfect, but they asked a lot of questions. They were able to, to figure out 
uh, with their like the, a greater health history. Because let's say if you didn't take a person's blood sugar in, in this in this study, you could say, well, then somebody could come in and say, hey, man, did you check blood sugars? What if you're what if the the chance of knowing are, are, are higher because their sugars were higher? There's kind of a, a counter for that. So you got kind of got an idea. So the more variables you, you control, the better it is um, in, the, in the research. You get you get better results and more accurate results. So it's really cool. So you guys should definitely go on companionist.com and check out the show notes if you want to see a good study, especially now during this pandemic. And there's so much research studies out there and you're not sure how to differentiate between a good research study and a bad research study. This is a really good example of a, of a uh, really good research study. Yeah. And there's so much that we could have covered in this episode. Like I was looking at like the products that they were using back in the day, like mercury and all the tooth fillings, how it actually ruins the buffering system of saliva. It, it's even linked to like allergies, but it was such a rabbit hole to go down on that, like, you know, this would take hours and hours to put this thought into this episode. That's not something we can do. So I definitely would love to get like a health expert on in the future uh, that's into like holistic dentistry and see what he thinks. Um, you know, I was briefly skimming at that book with the doctor that we mentioned. And like, sometimes he recommends people that have like mercury fillings to um, to have that um, re-extracted. Mm -hmm. So you wanna get a drill and remove the mercury and fill it with something else that's a little bit more accommodating. And then what's what's crazy that blew my mind is the current tooth fillings that they're using, it's a mixture of ceramics and something else. It has bifeasonal A, which mm. is BPA. Mm. So the stuff that's in our microplastics and our bottles that are saying that BPA is unhealthy, we did a whole research thing about cancer, about breast cancer and all that, that is sitting in our teeth continuously. Like what are the... Uh, effects of that is it continuously being released how is it changing the saliva and all that mm -hmm. yeah. so many so many questions i have for the teeth man yeah because we get a lot of we get a lot of vessels in our mouth it's very you know it's very vascularized if, if you could say so what if you have like a a poor feeling that's just like you could say leaking bpa which would be which would be insane i wonder if that's like a possible kind of thing yeah glad you brought that up uh next thing we're going to talk about is fluoride is it the best means of fighting tooth decay? So as you know, fluoride is considered like an essential part of uh, dentistry and dental care. Our, all of our toothpaste basically has uh, fluoride. I personally choose not to get fluoride to toothpaste for the reasons here that we're going to talk about. And if you think about it, our U.S. population, 73% of the public water access has water infused with fluoride. Uh, and this guy looked at uh, Germany like in 2018 and uh, they do not fluoride their water and they have uh, the rates of tooth decay is dropping. Mm. So what's the correlation between, you know, tooth decay and fluoride? Yes, I, did, I looked at some stuff regarding this, too, because the like dental health in the in the U.S. Um, has g gotten better over last year's after they introduced fluoride in toothpaste and other things. And what I kind of looked at was like, is, is fluoride naturally occurring and where, where does fluoride come from? And if you think about it and you, and you actually look at the foods that fluoride is actually in because it's a naturally occurring compound, it's in milk, it's in dark leafy leafy greens like spinach. So maybe these places that don't have fluoride in, in water, they have a, a healthier diet. So this kind of shows you that, and we talked about, um, I forgot what, 
what it was that we talked about, trans fats, and how there's naturally occurring trans fats in milk as well. So this kind of shows you that almost like Mother Nature provides you just of, of everything that you need to, to stay healthy. Because a lot of times, poor, poor oral health is also due to a poor diet. So most likely, if you, if you have a lot of oral cavities, a lot of any kind of oral issues, your diet's probably lacking. You're probably not, eat, not eating enough leafy greens. You're probably not eating enough vegetables because fluoride's in, in, in vegetables. Like we naturally consume small amounts of fluoride through the, the, the foods that, that we eat. And this might be, if you ate these foods, maybe that's just enough fluoride to, you know, sustain good oral health. But we're not, we're not doing that. We're, we'd rather eat the junk food, rather eat the canned soups or, or whatever, you know, else. Fast food jump. Rather than get an artificial mm-hmm. dump of fluoride into yeah, our body. It's, it's crazy. It's mind blowing that like that like in nature you could get enough of everything. You just have to take it in and, and eat it. And it just shows you how crazy important your diet is on your overall health. Yeah. And fluoride has a it has a role. It's able to store and lock calcium and other minerals in a tooth enamel. And it's a wonderful attribute, but there's also side effects. So I don't know if we ever did a episode about fluoride, in but I, I looked at yeah, I looked at a bunch of things, how it was linked to uh, chromosomal changes, bone cancer, and impairments to intelligence. So I definitely remember looking at a research study how fluoride was able to lower uh, IQ scores. Uh, there's a bunch of studies that, you know, support fluoride, and they they pledge to the allegiance of the innocence of fluoride. So you have to kind of like DYOR, do your research, and... Um, use your own thoughts about this. But what's fascinating is that the Germans, back in the Nazis, they used to use fluoride for eugenics purposes, and they used to sterilize people uh, with fluoride. And then I looked something up from... Um, you know, we you should have looked up, because I, I didn't get a chance to look it up. We should have looked at, like, what's a healthy amount of fluoride? I feel like yeah. we have to get a look at that, because a lot of research, research studies that, that, like, that are out there, they're, they're probably looking at, like, substantial amounts of fluoride that would probably be hard to consume, you know? Yeah, but that, if you add all that water and shit to it... You know, you never know how much you're hitting. And then also found there was a USAF Major George R. Jordan, which testified in front of, like, the U.S. American Activity Committee back in the 1950s. Mm. He was part of the Soviet uh, Elysian officers, and he reported that they used to put put fluoride in the water supplies in the gulags Mm. to make the the prisoners more stupid and more subversion, subservient, we should say. So fascinating things. I don't think we're consuming that much fluoride. I don't know how much they're pouring in that water, but just be careful. Use your, um, I don't think Brita filters uh, fluoride. You have to get like a reverse osmosis um, filtered to get rid of that. But I think our zero water actually filters most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of goes back to the concept of, um, you know, the, uh, holistic dentistry is you don't, the whole point of dentistry is not to, overburden the body with artificial substances and to avoid that and we could get that from nutrients just like you mentioned so we have natural functioning capacities of the body it's beautiful the more we talk about it we just have to feed it the proper things for it for it to do its job yeah it's very important even like the texture of food is important our our jaw has muscles or there's muscles in, excuse me there's muscles in our you know in our mouth and Imagine if you would just lived off something like something that you just just drink, you know, like you just keep eating soups or whatever. Imagine how how much that would change your anatomy. It's very important to eat whole foods. It's important to eat like celery, like things that you could crunch. That you have to chew to to work that muscle and to and to kind of uh, so it, like you get a 
like your gums could, could build up properly to the food that you eat because it's a building process as well. It doesn't just happen the way, the way it is. Like I know there's some research out there um, regarding, I know one of the Weinstein brothers uh, pointed this out that children that are given like those little baby food things for a prolonged period of, of time and not introduced um, like whole foods when they're when they're supposed to, they they have an issue with their jaw development. Like they have different abnormalities in their jaw, which could have been prevented if if they got like whole foods when they're when they're supposed to. So you have, you have to be careful with that because because this is like these are chronic issues that we, that we keep mentioning. And if your oral space doesn't form properly growing up because you choose not to eat these foods, then it's going to lead to like oral defects and just malformation. So that's why it's very important for kids to have parents that introduce food at the appropriate time to to give a push for a healthy diet right off the rip because that's the things that the kid's going to make staples in, in his life moving forward. That's why we always talk about dental health and oral health with kids because it, it starts when you're, when, when you're a child. It doesn't really start in adulthood. Poor oral, oral health gets developed when a kid's grown up. Yeah, and tougher foods do make you tougher, literally. Uh, there was a researchers that recently found something that you chewing food actually leads to your body producing natural cells, which are called TH17 cells that are formulated in your mouth. And these cells are actually part of your immune system, which um, helps ward off harmful bacteria and actually helps protect the naturally friendly occurring bacteria. So these cells, TH17 cells are in the mouth. The more we chew, the more of these cells are produced. So Think about that. We need to be chewing things, just like you mentioned, celery and all that stuff that is naturally occurring that actually stimulates all this from happening. Yeah, and I'll close off with just some tips to promote good oral hygiene. Make sure you brush your teeth twice a day. Use mouthwash daily. Floss daily, at least once a day. Drink more water. Eat more crunchy vegetables and fruits. And then see your dentist at least twice a year. And if you're dating somebody, make sure you take a look at their mouth. Before you kiss them. Yeah, because you're going to be spreading all that shit yeah. back and forth. You get pneumonia. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Finding the time for listening to this episode. We appreciate that. If you guys find value in this podcast, please go ahead and give it a share, like, comment, subscribe, share with your loved ones. That's how we grow. Thank you. See you on the next one. Peace out, guys.